Hello, darkness, my old friend. Boy, that I mean, I just listen to that on repeat. It's like watching the Kraken right now. Um, how's it going, everybody? Welcome back to ECH Post Game Live, presented by Flatstick Pub. Where, um, look, I I can tell you this: you go to any of the Flatstick Pub locations, any of the six across the great state of Washington, I guarantee you, you're going to have a better time than you're going to have right now watching the Seattle Kraken because uh, eight-game losing streaks are really, really difficult to deal with. But one way you can deal with them is with mini golf, duffel board, other bar games, and, of course, a dollar off beer. If you attended the game, you can go over to that South Lake Union location and get your dollar off beer after the game. Oh, man, everybody. This one, this one was difficult. This one hurts. This one, I, I don't know. There's something different about this one, right? The last two games, we've we've at least been a little energized, right? Teams had some, you know, maybe it wasn't full 60-minute performances, but they were strong performances. It came back last game from a down two. They tie it. They take the lead, right? You go to overtime. You at least pick up a point. Felt like there was positive momentum these last couple games. And tonight, I... Part of this is just the wild making the game very unwatchable, but still it was just not didn't have that same energy or feel to it. This just felt like a game that the Kraken just dropped the, the ball. And and that's just kind of where we're at. And I don't even entirely know where to go from here, to be perfectly honest. Like I'm I'm just kind of stuck. I, I'm trying to think of what can change for the Kraken what what's going to have to change for the Kraken and I uh, it's it's really really hard it's really really difficult for me to come up with something so I'm going to jump into the comment section and get the juices flowing that way um Ricky they are broken <laughs> out of these games are hard to watch thankful for the therapy sessions uh, they, it only works because everybody's here, all of us together doing this. Corey, good lord. Coop can't break the puck out, can't get through the neutral zone, can't score. I hate to say it. This team stinks. <sighs> it's I I mean, Bryce, eight in a row, bad version. <laughs> it's pretty good, Bryce. That's a good one there. Um, Burnt Krem, when you think last night was bad. I mean, dear Lindsay, dear God, that may have been the most boring hockey game I've ever been I've ever subjugated myself to in my life. That was, I think, like, that's part of this, right? Like, this was just a low-event, boring hockey game. These last couple games for the Kraken, we were in here, right? All of us were typing it. At the very, well, I guess I was saying it. You all were typing it. At the very least, they were fun games to watch. They were exciting. The team was in it. Things were happening. Play was back and forth. They were good hockey games. And tonight, this was not a good hockey game. And it just makes it feel that much more, ugh, right? Like, that's really tough. B. Some players are doing all right individually, but it feels like none of the lines are clicking on the whole uh, as a line except for the Gord one. Now, I will say, if you look at uh, the Matteo Kart line, they are also, or is it Matteo Kart or was it the other, uh, was it with McCann, with uh, Everly and, and Matty? Uh, but the Kraken did, as of earlier today before all the games started, see if I can find the thing. I know I saved it somewhere. Um, the, the Kraken did have two of the top 11 lines in hockey when it came to expected goals percentage. That's really darn impressive. Really freaking impressive. Now, and one of them was the Ani Gord line, the other is the Maddie line. And 
I will say this though, watching this game, especially with what the Kraken were trying to do in this game, the different look on the power play that they had, all of that kind of stuff. They were trying to get their shooting attempt, their shot attempts, their scoring chances, all of that stuff. They were trying to get those as close to Philip Gustafson as possible. They were trying to basically be standing in the wild's crease before they would shoot the puck. And it dawned on me, you know, we've been having this conversation on Discord, we've had this conversation on here with the expected goals and all that kind of stuff. It dawned on me. Well, that's why they're doing so well expected goals wise, because expected goals, one of the ways you could break that system because of the limitations it has, at least these open models like on a money puck, I'm sure the teams and the, you know, the proprietary models that the teams use are more advanced and can take other things into account, including the fact that they have player tracking data from the NHL that is not available to the public. And I thought, well, one of the ways you could break, say, the money puck model especially is just get really close. The shot attempts that are closer register as higher. They're higher percentage chances, right? Doesn't take into a, you know any of the rest of the play, which is something that we've talked about. But the big like revelation I had was just, just get closer. The shot's worth more. And I'm really wondering if the Kraken are just kind of playing to that right now, right? Like they're just like, well, we're having trouble scoring. Which shots are worth the most? Oh, it's the ones in close. Let's just go and play in close. It doesn't mean it's a good chance just because it's in close, right? If you're telegraphing that the shot's coming and you let the defense and especially the goaltender square up to it, it's not a good chance, right? It doesn't actually have that much more percentage of going in than a shot from further out that the goaltender is not ready for, even though the models would say that it does. And so I'm, that's kind of where I'm at is watching them on the power play where they were really trying to force things to the side of the net and then walk that in and get the close, close in shot. Try to shovel the garbage in front, right? Really try to poke at it. We saw Ty Cartier, right? Pushing the entire goaltender in, doing all that kind of stuff. And I'm wondering if there's something there. I don't know. Let me uh, let me know all your thoughts on that. Uh, Schultz with the super chat here. No stuff felt dangerous. Fire hack, bring in Jess Campbell. On the positive side, didn't a home shutout loss to the wild spark a run last season? Oh, that's a good point. Was that to the wild? It might've been to the wild. It might've been flower. That's a good call. Uh, Schultz there. Um, when it comes to Hackstall, I was kind of waiting a little bit to let a lot of people trickle in here. we got 110. So I guess I can go ahead and address the hacks and all stuff. Now and we'll of course do it with RJ later. I think, you know, I'm, I'm all over the place on it really. It, just to be honest, right. There's still a lot of me that doesn't you know, I truly do believe that it's most of this is not his fault. I think the injuries have come in. I think a lot of that stuff is just kind of conspiring against him and the team right now. The bad luck, all of that kind of stuff. I will say this, though. It does feel like they, the Kraken as a team, as an organization, are approaching a point in time in which they are going to have to do something. They have to, to have action. They have to do something regardless of what it is they have to do something of some substance to send a message to the team to send a message to the fans to keep watching at home to keep coming to the arena to re-up their season tickets all that stuff that we've been talking about it feels like the organization is is either at that point or very very extremely close to that point firing the coach right and and i will say coach i'm not going to call him out specifically but 
when you're looking at teams in this situation, firing the coach oftentimes is one of the easiest things to do, right? Doesn't necessarily always mean it's the best thing to do, but it's certainly the easiest thing to do because it's the least, it involves the least moving pieces, right? If you were to try to do some sort of big shakeup trade, you got to deal with other teams to do a lot of that kind of stuff. But for firing the coach, you can just do that, especially if you have internal candidates. And it's the least consequential, right? Like if you're the organization, it's one of the easiest things to do to just be like, look, we we took this action, even if, especially if you're just going to replace him with an internal candidate, like in this case, you know, Hackstall gets fired, Dave Lowry becomes coach. Not much actually changes. You don't have to worry about this destroying your locker room. You don't have to worry about this sending massive ripples through the organization usually right you don't have to worry about a lot of the potential negative ramifications of say making a trade and trading away one of your core group of players would do and so if the kraken as an organization start to feel that they are in the spot where they have to make a move which like i said it feels like they are either there or very very close certainly amongst all, all the fans i would say they're there um it is the easy way out Take that for what you will. I don't like I said, it's not always the best thing to do. It's not always going to lead to the most success. You 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 do generally get that little new coach bump. We saw that with the Wild tonight, right? But the Wild really didn't look that good, right? They're playing like overly simplified suffocating defense and over overly simplified offense and they're just kind of getting by on that. But we know that that's not a sustained path to success in the National Hockey League. Otherwise, all teams would still play that way, right? They would have never developed anything past it. So I'm, I'm just going to say on the Hackstall stuff, if the organization feels like they need to do something to send a message to fans or the players or both or whatever, firing the coach is the easy thing to do. Um, the comic binge. Enough. Bring up the young guns. Depart the vets. Oh, interesting. And I know you're at your very first hockey game tonight, comic binge. Thank you for the super chat. Apologies for this kind of low event pretty boring game being your first live in arena experience because they're not all like that. I, I promise you they are not all like that. Um, they can be so much more. All right. So I'm going to jump down and see what everybody's got to say about that stuff that I just talked about. I'm going to jump down to the bottom of the comment section because I feel like that's uh, the appropriate place to be after I just talked about uh, the coach and, and all of that kind of stuff here. Um, Let's see. Uh, yeah, Lindsay confirming that that game last year was also a boring ga game, but the team did do better after that. So there we go. Um, let's see. Uh, hashtag just two more games from Jessica. Uh, yeah, I mean, that that would put us at 10, <laughs> 10 losses. Eek. It's a problem. Autumn pointing out that the Kraken are 27th overall by points percentage. Um Beep boop. They need to keep Hackstall so they can tank better. You don't want to end up with late round draft pick. Uh, yeah, but you can still very conceivably make a playoff run if you can just turn things around would be the, the argument against that. A couple of people in here advocating for Dan Bilesma to become the coach. I don't, like I, I've said this many times, I don't think he necessarily would want it. I think he is very comfortable with where he's at. I think organizationally if you're the kraken you have to love where he's at because of what he's been doing 
with the Firebirds, the way he's gotten guys like Riker Evans, Ty Cartier ready to play at the NHL level. You look at a, a student each when he's in there and he can play at the NHL level and he looks comfortable and can help out the Kraken when he needs to McCormick, right? All of the guys from the Firebirds that have come up and either stayed with the Kraken roster or the guys who have filled in have done very, very well. And that's a large part because of Dan Bowsma being down there at Coachella Valley, working with those guys in a very different role than if he was the head coach of an NHL team. So I'm just going to, I will always kind of push back on the Disco Dan um, for coach narrative. Uh, that's just where I'm at, but I've already said that a bunch, so I'm sure none of you are surprised. Chip with the super chat, appreciate that. Joey did pretty well, in my opinion. He gave us a couple scares as usual, but for what the team gave him to work with, I'm happy with him. Hashtag reverse snow angel. That was an incredible sequence from Joey Decord. The ability to recognize, find that puck by feel, right? This is in your skates, in the lower part of your pads, and then just get it under you and don't move, right? Don't let it out. That was incredible. Like Joey Decord did play a really good game. The only thing I will say is on the very first goal, the Matt Boldy goal, I do wonder if that was an instance of the book maybe starting to come out on Joey Decord, which is, and I've talked about this before, when Joey drops into Butterfly, if he commits to a shot, he has zero ability to recover from there right? He doesn't recover well once he's dropped down. And I know it's hard and a lot of goaltenders don't, but for whatever reason for Joey, it seems especially difficult for him to make a move once he's already been down. And I do wonder if that, if that was an instance of that, the way Boldy faked him out, right? Got him to bite and then took his sweet time kind of putting that in and around him. You're right. He didn't like immediately fire it at the big open cage. It looked like he knew he was going to have the time to just kind of finish that easy. So I do wonder if that is something that Joey's going to have to work on a little bit. I mean, I think he should work on it anyway, but I do wonder if that's something he might need to get on a little quicker just to just to work on some stuff there, because that is, you know, where where they're at. Um, let's see here. Uh Gosh, the chat thing's jumping all over on me. Apologies, everybody. Um, what does success even look like for this team this year? The optimal outcome is the number one draft pick. I see a couple things about that. Let me throw in another one so I can address, address that. This one from Michael. This team is nowhere close to a playoff run. Not going to happen this year. It's over. Let's not dilute ourselves. Uh, dilute ourselves. Look, again, it, it can happen. Like, you absolutely could do this in the sense that, you know, from a standing standpoint, comebacks or teams in this spot have made up the ground that the Kraken are looking at a lot. Like there's a lot of historical precedent for the Kraken to go in and get a wild card berth. And then once the playoffs start, you never know what's going to happen from there. So I will push back against that. But I also understand at the same time stuff like Autumn pointing out, Kraken have the same amount of points through 29 games as they did in the 2021 season. That's not good. And we all know that that season things didn't turn around and they didn't get better. And it's just a matter of can this team do it? Now, this team on paper is a lot better than that team. This team from the standpoint of they know each other, they have systems, they practice together, they have camaraderie and just, you know, they are a team that is better than the 2021 season as well. 
in just about every way, this team is set up better than the 2021 inaugural season team was, which is another reason to have hope or to be optimistic. Again, I don't want to force the optimism on anybody, but I do want to point out that it is not, you know, over the way um, it might seem just because you're on this eight game skid, right? If you were to turn around and go on an eight game win streak, right? No other team's going to keep pace with that. And all of a sudden you throw 16 points onto where the Kraken have right now. And you're like totally set for a wild card berth. Look, do I think the team can do that the way they're playing right now? No, I don't, but it is, it is something that is possible. So I'm, I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, and as Burnt Crime's pointing out, draft picks are no guarantee of anything. That is definitely true. Um, let's see here. Uh, Dexter Arena just had no juice tonight from what I could see on the broadcast. Even before the second goal, it just felt dead. Again, it's it's a, it's a kind of like a tough... Yeah, I don't know. I wanted to ask RJ about that. Let's just ask RJ about that. Because I'm with you. I, it didn't feel that way. And like I was saying earlier, it was just a boring game. The Wild make games very boring. Uh, and it was kind of boring. And I get the crowd, you know, being a little quieter through that than normal. Alan, you said they're they're playing oversimplified, but our team can't even beat that. This is a real issue. Also, this team's drive is absolutely bottomed out. You have one line while the rest public skate. I thought they had more of a consistent 60-minute effort. They they got rid of the focus issues in the defensive zone for this game, right? We weren't seeing guys just totally get lost behind them like we have in the past. I know the boldly goal, that did kind of happen. Um, it, there was some improvement there, so I, I won't go that far. Again, the Maddie line drove possession like it did its thing, even though it's not productive. <laughs> right they are on paper productive even if they're not always productive on the stat sheet uh so there's that aspect of it too um but look there is something to the oversimplified game in the short term bringing team success there's a reason that we see this every year from a handful of teams whether they're struggling or they fire their coach and the new guy comes in and while he's instilling his system the team plays that way it is something that works in the short term during the regular season because other teams don't want to completely change what they're doing just to go and stop like a simplified hockey team, right? It's not worth it to you to necessarily do that. You just go in and assume that you can kind of get past them. The Kraken did a really bad job of doing that tonight, but that is generally what the thinking is, is that I'm not going to sell out for this one of 82 game season game and and really like change what we're doing let's just stick with what we're doing and we'll get through this game against this team um so i i you know it would be very different looking if this was in a playoff series right the wild would not win a playoff series playing the way that they play right now they just wouldn't and and you know so it's one of those classic you know there's two different games in the nhl the regular season and the and the um the postseason and the long term over an 82 game schedule, it just you just fall off. Like it requires so much mental focus from your team to play that simplified conservative approach because it means if you make one mistake, it starts a massive snowball that you can't really recover from because you're not taking chances yourself, you're not really pushing play forward yourself. It was just one of those where the Kraken just weren't able to force a mistake on the wild side tonight, which is you know harder said than done. 
uh or easier said than done <laughs> do them with the super chat here we just got to get back to 500 which we can still do by the all-star break if we're under 500 at that time then start looking to the future in my opinion um i agree with you like i said i'm i i'm fine with the kraken doing whatever they want right i i'm not in charge of the kraken i don't have to be um but i do think that it's still long-term behooves the kraken to try and compete start winning some games, get positive momentum going, get back in the wild card chase. And I think that they are better than some of the teams in front of them. I'm sorry. I know we just saw them and they just beat us and they shut us out. They're a better team than the Minnesota wild, at least, you know, and maybe this is just where the injuries start piling up too much for the Kraken. Cause I was going to say they're a better team than the wild. And then I thought, well, maybe not the current roster for the Kraken because they've got so many injuries that they're dealing with. And maybe that's all that this is, is just that it's the injuries. But I'm, I'm again, I'm not trying to just be overly optimistic or, or to try to push back on the negativity. I'm really not. I just really don't think it's, it's that it's that insurmountable of something for them to try to come back from. Um, it is that bad right now because you have lost eight straight. You only have two points in their last eight games. That is really, really, really bad. You need to stop that. You can't stay tied in wins with the Sharks forever. Like that is bad. Uh, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of bad things going on right now for the Kraken, but I do think that it is something where they could turn it around and just as easily if they go and they win five of their next six, right? Like I said, they're exact. They're right back in it, and that doesn't seem like something that's impossible if you just say it. So that's where I'm at, um, Julia. The problem is that so many of the teams in the West are so mid that the wild card is pretty much wide open. Exactly. Like Kraken aren't the only team kind of stuck in the situation right now. Um, all right, let's bring in RJ here. RJ, I mean, how's it going? We got we have several questions to ask about tonight's game, but just. What what happened in the locker room? What what did everybody have for us? You know, I mean, it was pretty quick. As you can tell, I'm getting to you pretty soon this time. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot said. Uh, the mood in the locker room definitely felt different than last night, I think. Last night, I, I think they felt like there was still a lot of, you know, there was optimism. We played well. We were so close. That was the big takeaway. It's like, we're right there. You mm -hmm. know, we, we just got to figure out some of the small things. And I think the mood tonight was maybe a little bit more dejected. Um, and, you know, you can understand why after a game like that. Um, and, you know, I mean, there, there wasn't, I don't know, there wasn't a whole lot of profound stuff that's said, right. You know, as far as like, well, how do you, how do you get out of a stretch like this? You've been in these, you know, previously in your career, that was a question asked to both Larson and Bjorkstrand and, you know, they're, they're just like, you know, you just got to build that confidence. And I think one thing they did point out, I guess, was that you got scoring first would help, you know, where yeah. you're not always chasing games and just getting that confidence early. And then I think there were some follow-up questions like, well, how do you get those better starts? And just everyone has to be ready. You know, it, yeah. just, it just kind of felt like, you know, they're grasping a little bit. Um, Haxtell wasn't asked, the, you know, two pointed questions. You know what I mean? It was just talking about, you know, how Joey played really well. And his, as far as his overall thoughts on the game, though, he thought that this is just one of those games where at five on five, it's just like a slugfest. It's a grind. You're not really going to generate a ton there. But he felt like on the power play, they really generated some chances that were good enough to have scored. And in a game like this, you know, you kind of do rely on the power play to get one for you. You said they, they couldn't go in. And he did point to multiple times those down low cross crease passes. And that was a clear adjustment that they made on the power mm -hmm. play. Maybe to the point where they forced him a little bit, but they did have some good chances on that. He seemed kind of proud of that. Um, but, you know, one didn't go in. 
All right, so this is something I talked about earlier, RJ, where I I was bringing up, you know, the expected goals numbers, how at least systems like money pucks work. This is something I I started developing earlier in the day, talking on Discord with people. And basically, certainly with a money puck system, I know the teams have much more advanced proprietary models. Just the closer a shot is, the higher percentage chance in theory on paper it goes in and it feels like the Kraken as they continue to have scoring problems are the solution is just to get closer, even though they're not necessarily generating chances that seem any more dangerous. Yeah. I think there's certainly something to that. You know, their shots are coming from in close, but goalies have time to adjust. I mean, you look at those in tight plays on the power play. It's still kind of limited, right? Mm Because the shooter is there, but the goalie is completely squared up to him. The goalie has time to to get there and block it. And then his only real option to move is to move that pass across the crease, which if it gets there can be a really dangerous chance because the goalie can't move across. But the defenders know that. They know to take away the other guy in front of the net. And also the goalie can get his stick in that passing lane. It's in so tight that often the goalie, you saw Gustafson knock a couple of those away because he knew they were coming. So it's the kind of thing you can adjust to pretty well. Um, you know, unlike maybe say a one-timer from, you know, the, the one-timer spot on the power play, uh, where it's further away, but there's not a whole lot of goalie can do about it. Exactly. My point. Um, I think, uh, and unsurprisingly, right. The, the mood in chat has been very similar to the Kraken, where it's a little bit more dejected, right. It, it feels like it's just different from the last couple of games because those last couple of games at the very least RJ were really good back and forth hockey games. And tonight's was a boring hockey game, right? I don't think anybody could argue with that fact. It was low event and it was boring. First question. And Dexter brought this up earlier. What was the energy level like in the building? Cause I know games like that, it can take the crowd out of a game, right? If you're the wild, that is one way of doing it. And then second question, RJ, am I being too overly optimistic when I think that, look, the Kraken are still, from a standing standpoint, one run away from just absolutely being right back in it. Like, if they just turn it around and start winning, you know, two out of every three games, they're there. Right. Well, I'll start with your first question, the energy in the building. And yeah, I mean, this game, it was a boring hockey game, as we said. And that did kind of take the energy out of the building. I think the fans were trying to get into it however they could. Um, you know, they, there were a few chants like in the third period as the Kraken were trailing where they were going for anything, you know, they started the Joey, Joey, even after some minor saves, just, you know, they wanted something to cheer about, I think. And it's always tough when you're shut out, you know, there's just not a whole lot to cheer about. So, you know, and, and certainly by the time the wild scored the second goal, I think that really just took all the energy out of the building because everyone kind of knew where this was going. Um, but you know, it's, it's tough. Like, the, the tickets were pretty cheap to this game. I was looking beforehand, you know, I, my, uh, actually my girlfriend got to go to this game. She got a lower bowl ticket for 40 bucks. And I think that probably says a lot, you know, about what was yeah. going on. so on a Sunday game, you know, on a weekend game. Yep. So, you know, that, that should tell you as for your other question though. No, I, I don't think you're being too optimistic. If you look at the standings, they're still in it. I mean, there is not, you take the top six teams, you know, the top three of each division in the West. Those are some very good teams. But then you look at that wild card race. I don't know. There's nobody in that wild card race that really convinces me that they can go and take that spot and run with it and stay with it. There's just a ton of question marks all the way down, the Kraken being one of them. So, you know, they obviously have to figure some things out, but, uh, you know, they're not out of it yet, as crazy as it sounds. 
Yeah, I was gonna say the the you know Nashville Predators are in the first wild card spot. Their points percentage is only five thirty six. Like that's not great, right? That's not winning six out of ten games, right? So I, there's a chance there. Uh, like I said, chat maybe not not everybody on on that same page with us. RJ Stephen pointing out the teams only had one two game winning streak all year. Lol on onslaught saying they only have like five regulation wins so far. Storm pointing out they got a lack of scoring. Defense is allowing too many easy goals, and they've just had average goaltending. It's a recipe for a bad team. Um, I, I get it. Like I, I, get I can't disagree with any of those points. That's that's what I've been saying. Like at the same time, RJ, I'm I'm trying to stay positive. I do legitimately think the Kraken have a path to a wild card spot, but at the same time, they've got two points out of their last eight games, and those eight games have looked really, really ugly at times. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one thing to, to look at the situation and be like, okay, how far out of it are we? It's another to think, okay, what reasons do we have to believe that they can get themselves out of it? Um, and, and at this point, we're just kind of relying on, on hope that what we saw last season could come back. Yeah. Is that is that a good thing, though? Like, I, I understand somebody could hear that and just be like, well, you can't just hope for it, right? What would be the proactive approach, right? And of course, the Hackstall question has been brought up again. That would be a proactive approach. My kind of thought on it, RJ, is just that, look, the team is is at least nearing as an organization the point where you have to do something, right? Whether it's for the fans or the team, or both, you have to kind of do something. But again, at the same time, I'm still in the camp where I, a lot of this, I really don't think is on Hackstall. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. Like he's, and, and but, the thing is he's just the, the effort the issue. Yeah. Right. It is the but, easy but thing the, to but do. It's the easy thing. Yes, it is. And, and well, cause look, eight game losing streaks don't often result in nothing being done as far as right. a major move at this point. I think the only easy things you can do are, are fire Hackstall or bring up Shane Wright. And the, the Shane Wright thing feels like more of a Hail Mary to me. And then you're messing with the future. And there's a whole bunch of other elements to that. And by bring up Shane Wright, I mean, bring him up and give him top six minutes and see yeah. what he can do. So I don't know. Take your pick. I was just going to say, there's that one. I, what I said earlier with it, and this is probably something we'll talk about more in depth tomorrow on the deep dive, RJ, is um, it's the least like consequential thing you can do. Firing your coach, right? Like you just said, you could bring up, Shane Wright, but that might have future consequences that you have to deal with beyond, say, just replacing Hackstall with Dave Lowry, who's already there, right? Yeah, like, it's it's different. Although you know, least consequential, you know, maybe to someone observing the team like us, but you know, in, in the higher ranks of the organization, it's certainly not un- yes. inconsequential because, of course, you got the money question. And um, someone pointed this out to me um, earlier today, and I didn't have time to go check it, but. Um, I, I guess the last head coach to be fired uh, right after getting an extension the previous offseason was apparently Ron Wilson in 2012, which shows you how Whoa. rare it is. Yeah. Yeah. That was shocking to me. So that made me think, OK, maybe, you know, maybe that's not a move they're looking to make maybe right now because it just yeah. seems like that's just not done. Yeah, no, then it really, that really is not done very often. Super chat here from Light. I thought Riker had a good game. Joey played well, and I think Maddie had a solid outing. Riker just looks like he belongs at the NHL at this point, RJ, right? Like he's just, he is who he is, and he's playing his game, and it's a really solid game. Yeah, keep him up. No, I, I hope he never gets sent back down to the Firebirds. He belongs in the NHL. He's shown that over this, this sample size. But, you know, we saw it in the preseason and during training camp, too. We knew that's where his trajectory w- would lead him. And I've been, 
I've been pretty impressed. And I think he just provides a more dynamic element too than anybody yes. else you'd have in the lineup, you know, instead of him. So I hope he stays up, you know, creates an interesting question as far as what you do with, you know, like maybe Schultz the rest of the season or, or Dumoulin beyond, but that's, you know, that's a bigger picture question. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm with light. Joey had a really solid outing. What did you think of Maddie though? Okay. So Maddie, like I had, so I noticed some good moments from him. Mm-hmm. You know, I noticed some good plays where, you know, with his speed, some confidence with the puck. Um, again, he's just, I've seen this a lot this season where it feels like when it comes to just generating offensively, he kind of hits a wall at the blue line almost. Um, and I, I just, I didn't notice a whole lot from him, you know, kind of down low generating offense. Um, and his line kind of, I think really needed it. Jordan Everly, I think did a lot of the heavy lifting there. Um, I don't know. What did you think about him? I wasn't a fan. I like, okay. and now again, it's not that I have an issue with, you know, say he, what he's doing or anything. I still just think he lacks confidence. And I still just don't think that the system that the Kraken are trying to do right now, get as close to the net as possible for all your scoring chances fits him at all. Like I just, he really looks uncomfortable to me, RJ, as far as what he's doing and how he's trying to process the game, where he's going. It just, this does not look like Maddie Beneers to me. This looks like someone who is trying to be something that they're not. And it's just him trying to fit into this system that the Kraken are running right now. I still think the best thing for the Kraken to do in the offensive zone Right. Like all of this stuff works for him as far as getting it out of the defensive zone, attacking in transition up the ice. But once it comes time to cycle things through the offensive zone, I still think the best thing for them to do with him and his line would be to have one of his wingers go towards the center of the ice and let him play to the outside. It's just where he's comfortable. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, we talked about it a little bit after the Devils game where I was saying that I noticed you know, watching Jack Hughes on the other side and the way that the Devils try and create offense, which looks very, very different than what this Kraken strategy is. Mm-hmm. But you look at the things that Jack Hughes is doing, and I just kept thinking this is the kind of situation that Maddie needs to be in, trying to generate offense this way with some time and space and some passing lanes from the outside in the offensive zone where you can use that, you know, your, your mind, you can use your brain the way you think hockey and your good vision to make plays mm-hmm. and he's just not being put in that position. And then also, you know, with Nico Heischer on that second line, like, you know, the way he was playing, you know, Alex Wenberg, I mean, that's, that's right up his alley too. So I could see that as well, you know, as far as a blueprint, but the Kraken just seem like they're going to complete 180 from that. Um, and they're just trying to kind of brute force their way to goals with personnel. They really don't have. Yeah. I, it just, that, that's still confusing to me. I think that still is the thing that they could really do, uh, you know, again, another proactive thing that the Kraken could be doing. I feel like that's one of them. Um, Hockey Fork, while browsing chat, I'm very curious who cares about expected goals percentage if it never translates. It's a meaningless stat at this point. Might as well point at individual players plus minus. It's one of those things, RJ, where I feel like the Kraken are are the outlier in this, right? Because if you look at expected goals percentage for all 32 teams over 82 game sample sizes, it will absolutely tell you which teams are good. And that will line up the majority of times with the standings, right? Like that is one of those things. However, every year there's one or two outlier teams where the numbers just don't seem to line up with where they're at in the standings. It just feels like the Kraken are one of them this year. Yeah, and when you look at expected goals percentage too, a a lot of that is kind of going off. It's going off like a large sample of just all these chances that happen over many years that go into the formula. And 
that's kind of generally assuming a, a, a normal way that teams play. And so as a result, you can kind of gain that stat a little bit. You know, if you're going for a certain type of chances that's going to show up higher on an expected goals model, at least a publicly available one, um, you can kind of make numbers that look a little bit better or a little bit worse than that. Um, because, it, you know, it overcounts some places, it undercounts some places. I think we've seen it on the other side with some of the chances the Kraken allow and why the goalies always have bad goal saver right. expected, even when, you know, from the eye test, we can see, oh man, they were hung out to dry completely. You know, I, I think there is a, you know, a, a point to that, but most teams don't play like this. It feels like. No, they don't. Uh, we're all, we're just missing the obvious RJ. It's because the Kraken won 65% of faceoffs tonight. Of course oh, they, they were doomed to lose. They were doomed, I tell you. Light with the super chat here. Uh, another one. Thank you very much. I want to give some insight into Maddie's play. He's uh, taking a lot more uh, shots right now, almost already at half of what he got last season. Faceoffs are up. Same with time on ice. I think this season is part of his growth. Yes, he's definitely growing. I'm with you. I think you would agree, right, RJ? The faceoffs mm -hmm. greatly improved for Maddie this year. Oh, yeah, maybe. easily. I mean, look at the numbers. It's night and day. Yeah, I mean, maybe to the team's detriment, but that's a different conversation. Um, he is shooting a lot more. Again, I think that's a lot of guys on this team, RJ, seem to be shooting more than they did last year. Like, I think that's been part of this, too, is kind of the volume approach. Yeah, and the volume approach is definitely a conscious choice made by the coaching staff at a certain point to kind of remedy the lack of goal scoring that was going on. And for a time, it worked a little bit just because I think teams weren't, opponents weren't used to it. But now, I mean, I think everybody can watch the tape, see what the Kraken are going to do, get in those shooting lanes and kind of use it to as a springboard for their own offense going back the other way. <sighs> the Kraken just looked predictable again. I guess the one area they didn't look predictable, well, they... <laughs> for a bit was on the power play where they're, Oh wow. They're working it down low. That's a different play. They introduced a new wrinkle, but yep. then they just spammed the heck out of it, <laughs> which I don't blame them fully because it was open. Like the wild never took it away. So yeah, you know, it, there was that, but still, yeah. then you get predictable again. Yes. You need more than one thing. Right. You need variety is the spice of life. Uh, I think somebody <laughs> had that in here earlier, actually, in regards to the losing streak. Um, so the bottom line, though, is like, look, we're not trying to dump on Maddie. I'm, I, certainly I wasn't with what I was saying earlier because I did most of that stuff. I'm just saying that I don't feel like he's being used to his full potential, given what the Kraken are trying to do offensively right now is just that. And this is this is a thing in all sports. Right. How many quarterbacks have we seen where they're just they've got an offensive coordinator or a quarterback that just they're they're asking them to do something that that quarterback is just not good at. Right. That quarterback can still be a really good quarterback, but not trying not in that scheme. And I feel like that's kind of where we're at right now with Maddie is just that this isn't the scheme for him. Right. And so then it begs the age old question of if you're a coach, RJ, do you run your scheme and make the players fit to it? Or do you adjust your scheme to the personnel that you have available to you? Which is a, a question that coaches in all sports will ask themselves to the end of time. Yep. Timeless question. Uh, we'll see what the answer is. Yes. Um, let's see. Uh is anyone on this team even capable of making and receiving decent passes, stretch passes, and shoving it along the boards and prey moves don't count from Bob Ren, RJ? I think they're capable. Again, it's just not part of the strategy right now. You look at last season, too, and the Kraken, like when they noticed an opponent was vulnerable to stretch passes, they'd throw great stretch passes out there. I remember a few even from Will Borgen that connected, you know, that I would clip the highlight for. Like, I, 
feels like a long time ago now, but they were capable of that. I still think the guys still are capable of that. You know, it's just a matter of, is that the strategy? Is that the goal that they're going for? Yeah, exactly. Light with another super chat. I don't think y'all are down on him more for chats. Um, understood. Rory here. This is top top one. You ready, RJ? Best comment all, right. all night. Bring in Ted Lasso. You know what? This Believe... team would win the Stanley Cup this year if they had Ted Lasso. Call it right now. Calling it I right would, now. I would love to see what Ted Lasso would have to say, though, about this team. Just walking into that room and, like, you know, and learning about how it's been going. We have we have 13 hours before we record deep dive RJ to figure out what Ted Lasso would say and have it be part of the <laughs> the podcast. Okay. All right, clock All right. is ticking. That's our new goal here. Um, <laughs> let's see. Abak asking, would this team be looking like this with the guys that left in the summer? So here's the thing, right? That I know, I know it's, it's it's that question again, RJ. I would say to some extent, yes. Right. In the sense that if you looked at, say, the team's advanced stat numbers, it might look better because that fourth line would probably be scoring more than the current fourth line. But if you start looking at individual lines or individual players, I don't see how that would change the fact that the Yanni Gord line is like the fifth best line in hockey or the Maddie line is the 11th best line in hockey. And they're still not scoring. Right. Well, this was actually a topic. The reason I made that face, this came up in the press box toward the end of this game. Uh, where there was kind of a lively discussion about this, about the fourth line missing and, you know, how important it was. We were kind of talking with some Minnesota Wild writers as well, like asking, you know, kind of, they're curious, well, well what happened, guys? Um, and the, the fourth line came up as a topic of discussion. And uh, again, I don't have a logical reason, you know, why it would make a big difference. But one thing that we thought about and pointed to was that last season, it felt like early in games, especially a lot of the time, the top three lines they couldn't finish, you know, even though they generate some chances, they couldn't finish. And then the fourth line all of a sudden would just, would just get a goal. Somehow they would find a way to score a goal and it just got everybody else going. And all of a sudden it got the other three lines going again. That's just an anecdotal type of thing, right? There's mm -hmm. no, nothing logical you can point to, but that pattern, you know, it does seem to be missing, right? Yeah. In the first period, I thought the Kraken were, were generally fine in this one, right? Early on, they started well last game too or um they started well um yeah they, they, anyway they've had some good starts yes, along the have. way yeah so my point is but there's nobody to just kind of provide that spark with a goal when it's needed and they got mm -hmm. that a lot last season and a lot from the fourth line right uh now because of the the conversation with maddie right and and it being a, a system thing there and and maybe the system as a whole with them just kind of pushing those shots closer to the net and all that kind of stuff or as you said spamming the same play a lot not having yeah. a lot of variety all that kind of stuff people are asking isn't that then a coaching issue right like it's on the, it's the coach that would change the scheme to fit the personnel it's the coach who would add more variety and have the team do that it is i mean that's true that is the logical conclusion from that is it is a coaching issue that that's the scheme is the job of the coaches. So, um, you know, if you want that changed up, maybe either a coaching change or the coach needs to make a change. Yeah. And I agree with that. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see. Uh, lots of talk about the, uh, the secondary market when it comes to tickets as well, uh, as I'm sure mm -hmm. you could guess RJ. Um, 
Let's see. Uh, Barefoot Living. I know we're supposed to still just be an expansion team, but I feel like last year showed we could be better than that. And then it's like they said, yeah, that's who we are. Uh, I, yeah, the whiplash is a lot. I think for a lot of people on this one, I still think they, they are more last year's team than they are year one's team, RJ. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I guess it feels like they're, they're a little bit of both, you know, at this point, uh, you know, take elements of one elements, of the other. And I, I think the part from the inaugural season's team to take is that just almost the luck, right? It feels like nothing is going their way, you know, bounce wise working out for them. Um, but overall style wise, the way that they play, the things that they do, they're closer to last year's team, you know, just, just wish the record wasn't so everywhere, close, you know? every, everywhere, but results do want to take a quick moment just to thank everybody for still being in here. One thirty-one Now I know we were at one forty just a little while wow. ago. Yeah. So big numbers really, really do appreciate that everybody. And again, you know, thanks for all the patience as far as getting through all the chats and all that kind of stuff. Really appreciate it. Um, banger here from Edward as always expected goals. Is anyone still expecting goals? <laughs> Okay, that's a good one. It's really good. That's why I had to read it. It's just, it's just so just for the crack and just zero going forward. Yes. They may score however they're going to score, but if it's you know expected by any of us, it's just zero. Yes. Oh, man. Uh, Christian saying, if the shots weren't so predictable, I'd say the expected goals stat means the Kraken are snake bitten and it'll turn around, but they telegraph so much. It is, it is a, a problem. It's something I've talked about, right, RJ, with my infamous, you know, if you were playing beer league and you picked up your head and saw the person there, would you keep firing it at them? Yeah. And te teams watch their game film. Like that's the thing. Teams watch video. And especially when you're on a losing streak like this, that yes. tells an opposing coach, they can have an extended video meeting and it's going to tell them a lot about what you're doing. Yep. I think the book's out on Joey, RJ. And I think that the first goal, the Matt Boldy goal, okay, yeah, you already know where I'm going, is 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 there with this. Because, and I've said this before, when he goes down, he cannot recover. He has like zero tools to recover when he bites on a shot and drops into Butterfly. And it looked like Boldy knew that. Yeah, he was super aggressive on that, Joey was. And, and Boldy knew exactly what Joey was going to do. Walked right around him. You know, yes, there's a defensive breakdown that leads to it, but... Yeah, if you can get that kind of time and space around Joey Decord, the book is out on him, and you know. Although I will say later in the game, who was it that had, was it Zuccarello? Someone had a good, like, partial breakaway, right? And then Joey came out with the poke check, and the wild player, whoever it was, looked like he was going to deep right around him. Like, he knew exactly, okay, Joey's yeah. going to come out, I'm going to walk right around him. But Joey was even more aggressive with the poke check than I thought he would be, and it mm -hmm. caught him off guard. Yeah, no, it was, it was kind of sweet. Um... Varen, what does a successful development season look like if they do decide to focus on that instead of moving up in the standings beyond just calling up Wright and Evans and giving them decent ice time? Now, for me, RJ, what it would be is you would focus on finding the best systems for those young players to grow and develop and play to their strengths. Uh, so for with Maddie, it would be putting him back in a spot where he can circle the ice and survey a defense and then make a decision or he can do that while someone else has the puck and then attack through a gap that he finds if it's bringing up Shane Wright it's just kind of letting him go and do his own thing I wouldn't try to box him in at all given the way he's been playing in Coachella Valley they're not really trying to box him in any sort of system down there and he's just learning to be aggressive which is absolutely what he needed to be learning and with Riker Evans it would just be continuing to you know 
yeah, keep it simple on defense, keep it conservative, and then let your playmaking shine. Yeah, I'm with you on all three of those guys. Yeah, the Riker Evans thing I think would actually be the most exciting of, you know, keeping it simple, but also giving him those opportunities, make him the second unit power play quarterback full time, let him really shine in those roles as well and see if he can translate that, you know, those bigger minutes to the NHL. And then also from the GM side, because of course, that's what I like to look at. You know, it's getting assets for guys like Wenberg, guys like Jordan Everly, which Ron Francis is very good at. It's getting those pieces that you can also potentially flip this offseason because next season you're going to want to go for it. And so you want to collect yep. those assets now. I mean, look, it's what they did from year one to year two. Year one at the trade deadline. Yep. You go and get all those assets, get those picks, and then you can use them to go and attack when you have that cap space in the offseason. I was just going to ask you, I love that you went there, RJ, because that is what it would take. It, it's one thing to call up Maddie and Shane Wright and say maybe you end up with a really high draft pick, right, and have them as part of the fold. They need people around them. That is part of the development as well is them having players around them to help them do what they want to do to help the team succeed and to have the team be a winner because we've seen this a lot rj teams don't ever really turn that corner or they don't invest in the guys around their young stars and it really does hold those young stars back and i think the kraken have done a good job so far of not going not doing that and i would hate to see them do that in the future not that i think mm -hmm. they would i think they're smarter than that yeah they are they are yeah um Let's see here. Uh, um, let's see. Agree, not all this is on hack, but at some point you have to question the system. Other teams have figured it out and teams not adjusted. We kind of touched on that. Uh, Habak, we just don't have superstars and it's starting to show. We have McCann and Vibes. <laughs> yeah, and that is another element as well. And I was thinking that tonight, I was thinking that against Tampa. I was thinking that against New Jersey where it just it would be really nice for the Kraken to have a legitimate star player. Like watching yeah. the things that Kirill Kaprizov was able to do tonight. You know, just that obvious skill with the puck. Uh, Jack Hughes against the Devil in the Devil's game. I mean, a few different guys, you know, that's Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov really stood out to be in that lightning game. But just mm -hmm. having somebody like that who could be a true game breaker, let's face it, the Kraken have never had a player like that. Um, and, and getting someone like that could often be the difference between being a dangerous team and then, you know, how the Kraken look right now. Yep. Uh, Chris, if this team was in a Canadian city, there would be jerseys on the ice. Uh, there would. And to be perfectly honest, the, the kind of public pressure probably too soon in the process would maybe force the team to have made them something do something by now and uh i'm very thankful that we're not in that environment rj because you know there's a reason that those teams haven't won a stanley cup in my lifetime yeah those moves are often overreactions uh but you have that fan pressure that media pressure too i mean you know we'd certainly be on and we'd be calling for hackstall's head you know you'd have to operate that way it feels like if we were in a canadian market um you know and, and maybe it's not the best decision yeah we would have uh, been calling for his head a month ago Yes, definitely. Uh, Steven, letting Sprong walk was a huge mistake. I don't care if he's one-dimensional. This team is full of one-dimensional players who can't score. Uh, there's there's something there, I guess. Actually, we would have been saying trade Maddie. That's where we'd be at. That's the Canadian market thing to do. Yeah. Uh, some some love for the Winter Classic jerseys. I see that. Thank you, Rachel. Um, Coop, Dylan, I said the same thing about Joey like a month ago, and you said that's the same. You guys said that's the same for all goalies. I. I believe it was, and I'm not trying to call you out on this, RJ, but I believe the point you were making was that like in Butterfly, like there is only so much any goaltender can do, especially if mm -hmm. you've aggressively bit on a shot, like there isn't much that you can do. Um, I, as I think the, the 
the point being made, but there is stuff you can do. Like, or at least you could look better maybe than it does. <laughs> <laughs> that would, that is on me. That is my words, not RJ's. Um, Let's see. Uh, Sprong was a gamble of a player. He had huge defensive issues and there was no telling if he stayed hot offensively. I will point out uh, Detroit beat writers when they were trying to figure out where Patrick Kane would slot into the lineup and who would be odd person out of the Detroit lineup. A lot of them were projecting Sprong is is going to have some healthy scratch nights uh, if he hasn't already since Patrick Kane was added or in the future. And that's with Sprong having pretty close to the same production he had with the Kraken last year. So like, again, there are significant issues to his game that the scoring, I mean, if when multiple coaches, RJ don't want somebody who's scoring at an above average clip in their lineup, it means there's stuff going on. Yeah. It, it tells you exactly what you need to know defensively. And we talked about it. He's Daniel Sprong, the most complete hundred foot player that we've seen. Uh, you know, it's the other hundred feet that coaches worry about though. I love that. I love that. Um, Stratic, the Kraken are underperforming their expected goals percentage, but the problem is their team expected goals percentage is like 19th. So even if it's all luck holding them back, if luck averages out, they still aren't a top team, you know, top half of the league team. There's, I guess there's, there is something to that RJ, right? Like that is true, right? If, if luck was somehow removed from everything and it just went off of that, then, then that's where they would be. But how many of these games, RJ, have been close or overtime games where that one goal is the difference, right? Between the the loss, the OTL loss, and the two points of a win. Like, I feel like it's enough. Yeah, and it's something the coaches and players have certainly pointed out as well. I feel like just about every game is a one-goal game, and that line is so thin uh, that that can make the difference. But I think that's also the difference between, you know, if you are in that spot at 19th right now, nobody's panicking. You know, we're, we're not, you're not on an eight game losing streak, right? You know, that's mm -hmm. the difference between that and then, you know, the bottom five standings position they're in right now. Well, and it would be, you would have, you wouldn't have people talking about like, like Jared McCann, you know, to, to paraphrase, but talking about how frustrating it is to put in the work and not have the reward there. Right. And so it gives you something that you can build off of and work on being better than 19th in the league, right? Because the confidence is there that, hey, if I make the adjustments and I put in the work to get better, I will be rewarded and the team will be better for it, right? And that's what's starting to, I feel like, get shaky for this team, which is normal when you're on an eight-game skid. Like, of course, you're going to be second-guessing everything. You haven't won a game in weeks, right? It right. I mean, it has ways of building on itself, too. And that's something the players even did allude to you know, today after the game about just, it's so important to just try and keep your confidence as difficult as that is, because when you're losing, that confidence can go really quickly. Exactly. Uh, Jake, I don't think bringing up the kids is writing off the season spelled with the, the W mm -hmm. there. Uh, yeah. Uh, with, with Shane's name, uh, maybe the youthful energy can turn this around. I'm fully on the call at the kids train. I think there is something to that too, RJ. Like, you know, we don't talk about that all the time, but there might be something to having it's the classic, um, you know, you bring in the competition for the guys to mm -hmm. get them going scenario. Yeah, give them a little jump. I mean, I think with that though, there has to be a threat that some of the top nine guys might lose the spot. Because right, you know, when you brought up Shane Wright and Ryan Winterson at first, and even Riker Evans now, yeah, they like, were like none of the regular guys teams. are exactly emergency. None of the regular guys are in any actual danger of losing a spot or losing their ice time. But if you do have that holding it held over their heads, I think it might make a difference. 
Yeah. Uh, Edward McCannon vibes in the league is vibe checking his heart this year that they are. Uh, I guess one of the things that you could pair that with RJ would just be if you are thinking, you know, the team is in this spot and you do that closer to say the trade deadline, then maybe then that does put that idea in the, their heads because maybe they get moved. Yeah, of course, you know, at the trade deadline, there's going to be a lot more certainty about, okay, where are we actually? Yes. You know, either they'll turn things around and they'll be trying to make a playoff push and you'll continue with whatever's been working there. Or if you're still in this spot, bottom five in the league, those guys are gone anyway and they know it. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, you're right. I guess Maddie didn't win the Calder or be top five in scoring on our team's rookie year. It's true. Uh, <laughs> as he's calling back to somebody uh, light there. Um, we should have signed Otani. I mean, he was, he's slightly above the cap. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. the problem. Well, actually, you know, $70 million a year. That is under uh, the NHL cap and is it is going up. Can you get 22 other players on the roster for less than $13 million? That's a stretch. I don't think with league minimum you can do that. <laughs> I was just going to say, can you sign a bunch of guys from below league minimum somehow uh, is, is what it becomes. Um that is pretty funny. I would love, though, the team, RJ, and I could see this happening. This would happen in the 90s a thousand percent, right? A team would do something like that, and then what they would do is they would make the case to the NHL, and they would they would totally go through a process of stating their case of, look, we are going to do so much for this league that you should allow just charge us some sort of luxury tax, allow us to be over the cap but allow us to play and do this because it will be so healthy for the league as a whole and for the sport. That is absolutely an argument somebody in the 90s would have made. Totally. And just have like a luxury tax that gets split among the other owners, just bribe them essentially let you do that. Yeah. Hey, technically, if the Board of Governors wants to vote on anything, they can. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> this is all rules in the sports league are all arbitrary and they could be changed at any time. Um <laughs> Uh, let's see, uh, now that people are talking about trading prospects and all sorts of stuff in here, things are, things are, I love this though. I love the way chat, uh, everybody talks amongst themselves. What do you think we see tomorrow, RJ? First off, do you think you see a practice after the back-to-back -back games and then you have another game on Tuesday? I don't think so. I mean, just for fatigue reasons, it's so rare that T will practice after back-to-backs. I, we might see an optional practice. That's the one, one thing I think we might see. You know, um, I don't know. Some of the newer guys called up maybe could use some work. You know, you have like Riker Evans get out there, you know, the younger guys. But um, I don't think we'll see a full-on practice. I'd be very surprised if we did. I, I agree with that. It, it's just this, again, the schedule right now is just it's never ending the brutality, yeah. RJ. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else, like – Really, like, would you would you be okay with the Kraken coming out the next day, the next game, RJ, and playing similar to the way, you know, Heinz has the Wild playing right now, where it's that kind of oversimplified, you know, new coach kind of thing, but you're just trying to right the ship, and it's ultra conservative, and it's kind of boring, but, you know, as long as you don't make a mistake and let the other team get rolling, you can at least, you know, grind out some wins. Is that something that you think, because I think there's an argument that some people would make that the Kraken do need to kind of do that because you just need to break out of the skid. Maybe. I, I just don't feel good about it because you're going to get locked into another, you know, low scoring slog. And if you can't score, you know, if you get shut out again, 
that's a risky move as a coach. I'll say that much. If Axel <laughs> wants to do it, it's a risky move as a coach, given where he's at after being shut out at home already. If you have another performance like that to go, oh, and, you know, zero wins, four losses on a homestand that's kind of make or break for the season. I don't know. I mean, at a certain point, you just got to get the way. If you feel it gives you a better chance to win, why not? Because that's what you need more than anything else right now is, is two yes. points. But, you know, it is a little bit riskier if it doesn't go well. Yeah, Stratic saying they aren't already playing that oversimplified way. No, I don't think they are. Like, I think yeah. there is there is some more that they can do. I know everybody gets on them for having the dump and chase, but like Dumoulin in his uh, intermission interview with Piper talked about why that is, right? Because you can go in heavy on a forecheck and wear out the opposing team's defense, right? In theory, that then should lead to better chances and, and better stuff and better results later on in games. I still think that's more of a do that in a playoff series where you're playing that same team over and over. It do, I don't know how much that really helps you in a one of 82 games and you might not see this team again for four months. But I, I understand the process of the dump and shape, but I, I dump dump and chase. But it is one of those. I don't know. I think, RJ, I'm kind of at the point where the crack can just need a win and you just go for it. Yeah. However you get it, you need a win. Go for it. Yep. I mean, Chicago can't come up soon enough on the schedule. I feel like that's the real chance because they are a beatable hockey team. You keep saying this, and yet we lost to them as part of this losing streak. I, if you give the effort you did against, you know, New Jersey or Tampa, you beat Chicago. You just have to show up and get, and you know, give a, even a forty-five minute effort, and you're fine. They didn't do that against Chicago last time. I just if they I, take them lightly again after all that's happened. I mean, you know, then we know it's it's really a lost cause. But again, like, yeah, then it's a you want a team issue. like, yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you want a team like that on the schedule. By the way, Florida, I think they're already here. I saw their bags piled up in the on the way to the locker room, so they're ready and waiting. Oh, yay! Love it. Everybody wants you to stop tempting fate, RJ. Uh, <laughs> with this talk I mean, this, uh, is what, this is the kind of stuff i said during the sharks game too where i'm like okay if, yeah where i mean it like if they lose to this team it's yes. on them and nobody else you know that's, that's kind of really how i feel what we need is we need another game against the san jose sharks all right i think all of us would get on board with that uh and all of us can get on board with supporting Flatstick pub a wonderful sponsor of these post-game lives again another reminder of their season-long specials i'm telling you everybody you watch the kraken games Go there, get your dollar off beer, play some duffel boards, some mini golf, right? And the night fun, regardless of how the Kraken game went, you can still make a fun evening of it. Or you can go pregame and get 50% off those games, such as mini golf and duffel board. And then you can go and have a fun time before going to the game, right? Get yourself pumped up, walk into CPA, bring the good vibes, hope it rubs off on the team. It's right up there with some of the other suggestions we've had RJ to fix. I this. know, you know, you got, you got to keep trying something and Hey, you know, it'll make you feel good. Bring the good vibes over here. Be confidently ready to be heard again. But you know what? What if you're not? Yes. Uh, yes. Very true. Um, I know. I know. Uh, Julia pointing out the sharks are in overtime with Vegas right now. Lol. And Nicole saying the sharks, they're coming off of four, nothing deficits and winning in overtime. I understand, but I also know that just two weeks ago, I watched them play the worst game of NHL hockey I've ever seen and will probably ever see again in my entire lifetime. So that's, that's why I called out the sharks. All right. <laughs> yeah. And nothing motivates them like Vegas does. They always get up for those games.
that they do. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining, especially, you know, through this, through this tough stretch that the Kraken are having. It really does mean a lot that I'm able to look up there, see the number in the one forties, see all the wonderful conversations that you're all having amongst yourselves. Love the community aspect of all this, that you guys all have that for each other. Reminder, if you're not already on the discord, you can go and do this 24 seven with everybody over <laughs> on our discord. We've got links to that on all our socials. You can go check that out there and uh, we'll see you all tomorrow for the deep dive. And then Tuesday after the Panthers game.